Today on the Tower Hill Podcast, we are talking about gospel-shaped community. What does it mean and why does it matter? And we have a little fun because I do the sermon live for you in real time. Welcome to the podcast of Tower Hill Church. This is Pastor Jason. I hope that wherever you are listening to us today, whether it's to and from work or dropping the kids off at sports or in the grocery store or just parked in your car waiting for the next thing in your life to start, I pray that this podcast find you doing well, that God has been blessing you today, that you feel his presence because he's there. I think especially when you don't realize it. God is there. He is working behind the scenes to bless you, to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. And I think we all need reminding of that. I mean, certainly considering the events that have happened in the last few days. If you're listening to this in real time, you know that we just received news over the weekend about the tragedy in Las Vegas. Completely unbelievable. It's like, just when you think things have reached their lowest, they get even lower. And I think this is why church matters now more than ever. It really does. Listen, we have all sorts of choices that we can make. We have all different places that we can be in the course of our week. We have a lot of different things we can spend our time on. There are many great causes. There are many good things out there for us and for our families to participate in, but there is one hope for the world. One hope for the world, Jesus Christ. And what he told us is that the way that his hope transfers to the rest of the world is through his church, through his people, living in community together, showing the world what it looks like to be different, to live in such a way that we honor and love each other like nobody else does. That's the kind of community that we're called to be. And so no matter what tragedy hits us, we have the same exact job. To be Christ's ambassadors in the world. To be there literally with the wounded. To help people as they're grieving in the face of tragedy. To lend a hand out so that we can give them a hand up. (laughs) Um, through our God. And this is what this week's sermon and psalmon actually is about. I mean, it was very timely, talking about the difference that Christian community makes. And I don't know if this is a God thing or not, but something happened to the audio file of the sermon on Sunday, and so I couldn't import it so that, uh, into the podcast. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to recap the sermon right here and right now live. I've done this sermon three times, so hopefully uh, hopefully it'll go well, but I'm not going to over-edit it. Just whatever comes out, comes out, and I hope that it's something that blesses you today. This is installment four of The Gospel in Life, and this is the section where we talk about Christian community. So here we go. I want to start with a question. It might, it, it's kind of a funny question because I know that we've all been there. Have you ever been to an awkward dinner? You know what I'm saying? You ever get invited to an awkward dinner? Maybe it is a a new couple in town and they invite you over and you get there and it's just not 
what you're expecting in one way or another. Maybe the maybe the seating's not comfortable. Maybe the environment's not comfortable. Maybe there's plastic over the couches. You're not sure where to sit. Maybe it's just awkward. I always think about that scene from Meet the Parents where <laughs> with uh, Robert De Niro's a dad, and there he, he comes over to dinner, and uh, they make the Jewish kid pray the Christian prayer at the meal. I mean, it's just very very funny, and. I'm thinking like we've all had those awkward dinners and when you're at an awkward dinner, all you want to do is get out of there. It is, it ceased to be fun the minute you walked in that door and you immediately regret the decision to be there that day or worse. Let's say you get invited over to someone's house for dinner and it's clear that the couple has been fighting. Like they're not looking at each other. They're, they're making uh, mean and sarcastic comments during the whole meal. I mean, what do you want to do? You want to get out. You want to turn you know, to, to your wife or your husband, you want to say, Hey, look, we need an emergency text to get out of this situation, right? At least text me. Yeah, Grandma's dead. Yeah, no, no. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. That was terrible. I told you whatever was going to come out was going to come out. Um, but whenever you're in a situation like that, when you're at a dinner like that, when people have clearly been in conflict, you want to run. And probably when that couple asks you again, whether or not you want to come over for, for dinner, you're going to have an excuse as to why you're not going to show up. So now let me ask you this. You ever been to an awkward church? <laughs> I know that I certainly have. You may even think that you had an awkward experience at our church. And while that can't possibly be the case, it could, I guess, theoretically happen, right? You go to an awkward church. What do I mean by awkward church? You go and... It's just weird. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Usually this revolves around them making a really big deal about your presence there. I know for me, I'm naturally introverted by nature. If I go to a church, I don't want anyone to say, and now we have some visitors. Will you please stand so we could welcome you? You know, oh gosh, that to me, that's, that's hell. I hate that. I do not want to be recognized. I just want to sit in my pew and be left alone. And so... So sometimes you've had an awkward experience. Pastor Teresa used to call this the church that follows you home. There was somebody who, you know, they had gone to worship that day, and when they got home from worship, there was already uh, a basket of cookies waiting for them as a welcome from the church. Now, a lot of people think that's really cool. I guess that's really good guest services. That's good follow-up. Not this person, and neither... I don't think I would feel that way either. I feel like that's kind of creepy, like the church that follows you home. Or worse, have you ever been to a church where it's clear that they've been fighting? They've had conflict. Yeah, nobody wants to be a part of that. I'm not going to voluntarily go to the awkward dinner every single week. Why would I? You see, what's happened is for a lot of churches... They become the church of the awkward dinner, <laughs> right? Uh, it's just, it's not a welcoming environment. It's too inward focused. And people don't want to be part of a community like that. See, here's the thing. If a church does not embrace living in gospel-shaped community, it's going to end up closing its doors. Because it becomes too inward focused. To be gospel shaped means, by definition, 
that you're not just shaped to be a community unto yourself. You're shaped to be a community that exists for the world. And so you're never thinking too inwardly. You're always thinking about what you're doing as a community and how to reach those who are not a part of it. That's what it means to be a gospel-shaped community. And so you're not going to get the awkward dinner if you've been shaped by the gospel and you were thinking outward. Now, now listen, of course, I recognize we're all human. Even healthy churches will have unhealthy things happen from time to time, of course. But that being said, to be shaped by the gospel is to always be thinking about the people that are outside of your walls. And this is why so many churches are closing in the United States. Think about it. Just the average size of a church in the U.S. is 75 people. That's it. That's including all the numbers we get from mega churches who worship tens of thousands of people a Sunday. And yet still the average, the median size of a church in America is 75 people. Now, why is that happening? I, I think it has to do with their, they become so inward and inward focused that they become awkward to people who are checking out their church. And the thing is, community is more important than any of us really realize, I think. Think about this. How many of your life choices have to do with being part of a community? I think a lot of our life choices gravitate toward community. That's why social media is such a big success. Because it's about community. Think back to the time when you were just a little kid. You've been looking for the approval of a community your whole life. Friends, peer groups, jobs, sports, colleges, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. We all crave community. Why? Because we're wired for it. You see, God is community. He's a community unto himself. Now, not to make your brain hurt, But if God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we can say that God is a community unto himself. Now, he created humans to live in community with him. Now, sin broke that relationship, and the whole rest of the story of the Bible is God trying to get us to rejoin the community. We're wired for community. That's why we're looking for it all the time. That's why we crave it so much. We are wired for a relationship with God. And as a consequence, we are also wired to be in relationship with every other single person in relationship with God. It has a vertical and a horizontal axis. And Jesus Christ conquers sin for us so that he can, so excuse me, so we can rejoin the community. Here's what uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 is our text today, starting at verse 9, talking about what does it mean now to be the community of God? What does it mean to be the people of God? It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now, oftentimes when we read scripture, I think we have a tendency, at least I do, have a tendency to read way too fast. If we slow down a little bit and just take those one part at a time, let's start with a holy nation. What does it mean to be holy? Holy means to be set apart. 
What does it mean to be set apart as God's people? It means we are distinctive in how we live. There's a way of being community that is distinct from the rest of the world. So we're called to be distinct, to live a particular way, to live God's way. While at the same time, we are called to be a, we are a royal priesthood. Now, if you look back in the Old Testament and you look at the role of the priest, the priest was the go-between, between God and the people to offer sacrifices of the people on behalf of the people to God and to bring God's promises back to the people. Now, when Jesus Christ came and he changed everything because now God doesn't dwell in a temple in Jerusalem, he dwells in the temple of our hearts, we all became priests. We all had the access to God on behalf of all the people who didn't have access to God. By our very nature, we are always thinking of those who are not in relationship to God so that we could bring God's promises to them. So, in that sense, we are called to be for the world. Distinct from the world, yet for the world. That is Christian community. That's why Christians should be the first ones, and often are the first ones, to respond to tragedies, to respond to disasters. We are the people who are distinct from, but called for. We are a community of God's love and grace sent to the world for its behalf. The thing is, community starts inward, but always moves outward. So community begins with our relationship with God, but it always moves outward into our relationship with others. So the rest of verse 9 continues. Now, what's the purpose of being a holy nation, a royal priesthood? God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Live such good lives among the pagans. In other words, live in your Christian community in such a way that the non-believing world would look at you and be able to give their praises to God. I mean, that's powerful. That is so powerful. That's the kind of community that we are called to be. This is what gospel-shaped community looks like. Tim Keller, in his study, he makes this statement, and I want you to consider if you think this is true. We talked about it on Sunday night at Tower Hill Nights. Tower Hill Nights, of course, you know all the announcements. We started this uh, new seasonal worship service Sunday evenings, but the sermon has a built-in discussion time. This is one of the things that we discussed there. The statement is this, Keller says, you can't know God apart from community. You can't know God apart from community. Do you think that's true? You can't know God apart from community. I really wrestled with this one, to be honest. And the more I wrestled it to the ground, the more I agree And here's why. I feel like I can have a series of experiences with God and have a connection with God 
But I didn't really know what that meant until I was engaged in a community of faith. When I look back to Jesus and the disciples, it was all in the context of community, learning, teaching, encouraging, loving, following, all of that. It, it, it was very communal. And I look at my own journey to coming to faith, and I see that it's all because, in one way or another, relationships in community that I could even understand the experiences I was having with God. So I think, for me, that's the difference. I feel like I can have an experience of God, but that's not the same thing as knowing God. Here's what I mean. We used to, back in my youth ministry days, we used to take kids out to Creation Music Festival, which is a like a Christian Woodstock out in western Pennsylvania. They do it every year, and uh, some of you listening have been on this. You know it's like 100,000 of your closest friends, you know, mostly 80,000 teenagers or something like that. And uh, it's, it's really fun. It's really fun. But it, it's, it's gritty. Uh, so you're there, and there's all these Christian bands and Christian speakers. And inevitably, there's a moment where a speaker does what many refer to as an altar call. And that is, if you are ready to give your life to Jesus, come forward at this time. And it's always a really powerful time. And, and a bunch of kids go forward and pray with people. And it's a very emotional moment. And we would take kids to this, and they would, they would have this incredible experience with God. And then, for many of them, what I would see happen is then summer ended, the school year started, they'd never really got engaged in youth group, they never really experienced Christian community in any other way. But they came back to creation, uh, to the creation festival. And there they were, on the altar call time, getting up again and crying. You see, because they didn't experience community, I think, they couldn't really know God. They could just live from experience to experience. I don't know. Maybe you don't agree with that. But to me, it seems like that's true. But I'll tell you what I I do think is something that we all can agree on is that we don't experience deep change without community. Right? We don't experience deep life change without community. That, that's why everything from weight loss to running clubs, all of that, it requires community to help bring deep change. This is definitely true with our spiritual lives. Definitely true. It happens, transformation happens in community. I don't know, something happens when you kind of try to do the Christian thing all by yourself. I've, I was like this once, you know. When I was a new Christian, I thought church was boring, and I didn't need to go and be a part of it, and so I tried to do the Christian thing, following Jesus on my own, and it didn't go well. It never went well every time I tried to do that, because there's something about community that helps us engage with the gospel, engage with our faith in a different way, to go deeper, to be pushed farther. I I ran a study this week, and one of the study members said, uh, that she's a part of a hiking club. She says, if if it weren't for the club, I wouldn't have done half the hikes. I wouldn't have done half the things that I've done because they always push me a little farther than I would have gone myself. And I think that is Christian community at its best, pushing us farther than we would go on our own when it comes to our relationship with God and to others. And here's here's the last point here. 
is that you're not going to make a difference for the gospel without community. Whenever Christian community is described in scripture, it's always described as like a city or, or a nation or a people. There's something powerful about being together in community and showing that the Christian way is a different way than the way of the world. It's a better way. And Keller says, you can't win the world without community. Community is what the world sees. Because listen, the world can see individuals, and that's great, but there's something about seeing a community that is even more powerful. I want to close with a story that uh, from my mom, who became a Christian really miraculously, I would say, because when I came to Christ, it was made clear to me as a young adult that I was not to bring my faith into my house. My mom and my stepdad were very clear. You're not allowed to talk to your brother and sister about faith. You're not allowed to bring your Christian faith into the house and and talk about it. Uh, Or you're not welcome to live here. That was really hard for me to hear, obviously. But I also felt like I had to give up whatever pressure I felt to share the gospel with my parents. I had to give that up and just say, you know, I'm just not going to be the one. Um, It's going to take other people to speak into their lives. And I remember at this point, my stepfather was in prison and my mom, it was just mom and the three kids at home. And my mother had been disabled for a large part of her life with MS. Anyway, I walk in the door one day and she's hanging up the phone and she says, Jason, I just became a Christian. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? (laughs) How? Uh, I mean, that's great, but what? And she said, well, somebody, you know, from the church called and prayed with me and asked if I wanted to accept Jesus. And I said, yes. You see, this church had heard that our family was struggling, that we were sort of in a rough spot, and they they kind of took us under their wing. They would call the house and see how mom was doing, and they gave us a bunch of free turkeys. You know when you go to the store at Thanksgiving, and you if you order enough, you can get free turkeys, like from ShopRite and stuff? So we got like six turkeys that year. We were so sick of turkey, but we were so thankful to have it. Anyway, this community reached out, and called my mom, and, and I said, Mom, what changed? And she looked at me and she said, you. She said, Jason, when you became a Christian, I noticed that you were different. You treated people different. You treated your brother and sister different. You were hanging around people that had so much love and joy, and I knew that whatever it was that you had was something that was real. And I tell you, that that was just one of the best moments of my life to hear her say those words. But also reminds me now of this. If not for the Christian community, none of that would have happened. Community is powerful. What people are out there that need to see and need to be touched by the community of faith? And so as we seek to live in gospel-shaped community, I want you to consider this. What are some obstacles that are preventing you from living in Christian community? Is it time? 
Are you unable to find a small group of people to kind of do life with? Because that's really what this is about. Just coming to worship every week isn't going to cut it. It's just not going to do it. It's, I mean, that's being part of a crowd. But community is something deeper. So what is it? How can you start doing life with people who are doing life with God? That is going to transform us and maybe those who are watching us. And I think once we figure out how to live in Christian community, then we will be figuring out how to live the gospel in life. Well, thanks so much, everyone. I uh, hope that it's helpful in this kind of impromptu live sermon. And uh, please join us for a worship. Uh, if you could join us live, we have uh, three distinct styles of worship. We have a nine o'clock traditional uh, with choir and organ, and we have a 1030 contemporary with a rock band, and then we have our 6 p.m. Tower Hill Nights, which is a coffee house uh, style of service as we jump into the next topic of the gospel in life. Well, I hope that you guys have a great day, a great week, and God bless. We'll see you soon.